Welcome to Go Get Great, the podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs and ambitious small business owners. I'm your host, Brittany, owner of Brittany Miller Socials and mother of three. Go Get Great is all about helping you make life and business work together. You'll learn about the fumbles that helped get me and my guests to where we are today so you don't have to make them. So come join the journey with Go Get Great. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Go Get Great podcast. I am super excited for my guest today and our conversation because it is all about money. And I know for many, especially female entrepreneurs, money can be such a taboo topic. So I'm so excited to dive in and share some practical advice that you can use in your personal and your business life starting today to make an impact on your financial situation and also to help you with your mindset. So before I do an introduction for my guest, one of the things that I wanted to share is some of the money affirmations that I'm using right now to help me overcome the mental blocks I have about, uh, currently my struggle is not feeling like money is good. Uh, so some of my affirmations are money is the root of all good. The more money I have, the more good I can do. The more I do what I love, the more money flows to me. When I give away money, it comes back tenfold. I attract and receive money easily and effortlessly. And my family is happy, healthy, and prosperous because I am a badass at making money are some of the things that I tell myself daily to help me have a better relationship with money. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce today's guest, Mary Lee Forrest, CFP. She is the founder and financial coach at Be Wealthy Financial Coaching. She is passionate about guiding women to confidently take charge of their finances so they can build the wealthy life they envision. With over 24 years of experience in personal finance and wealth management, she has assisted countless clients in achieving their financial goals. Her services and courses address a variety of financial needs spanning from day-to-day money management improving money mindset and behaviors, all the way to creating custom roadmaps for long-term financial success. Her focus is on promoting financial wellness, improving literacy, and helping women feel more empowered when it comes to their money. And she definitely does all of that in today's episode. So good morning, Mary Lee, and welcome to the Go Get Great podcast. So Mary Lee, I know you have so much amazing wisdom to share and I'm really excited to dive in, but before we do, I would love it if you could introduce yourself for our audience and share kind of how you came to be a financial coach for women. Okay. Uh, So I'm Mary Lee Forrest and uh, I am first and foremost a mom, but uh, finance has been one of my passions since I was a little kid. Um, I dreamt of being an entrepreneur. My dad was an entrepreneur. And as a little kid, that was my favorite thing to do. That's how I spent my time was playing store owner. Mm. And um, what happened is um, in grade 11, I did a school project on analyzing a stock and I was hooked. Mm. So I, um, it was my first kind of introduction to what passive income could look like. Mm. And it sort of blew my mind at that point. And I decided that that's what I wanted to do for a career. So I went into wealth management and planning with a number of different Canadian financial institutions mm-hmm. and loved my job. So mostly I worked with people that had a pretty sizable amount of investment assets and we did all of their planning organize their finances from a bigger picture view. So back in 2015, I turned 40 
And a couple of days later, my youngest son was diagnosed with leukemia. Mm. And before that, I just assumed that I would work in until my 60s. I never really questioned what I was doing for a living, even though I wasn't able to pursue that dream of entrepreneurship. I was the breadwinner. And, you know, it's just somehow the days just go. Mm. And when our son got sick, it was obviously a big shock. And he, you know, he had a really hard time with his treatment. And we ended up taking a very long leave of absence from work, both myself and his dad. So I missed 15 months. And uh, going through that with your child is, is a really difficult time. And you have a lot of space to think about things when you're in the hospital. There's not a lot of anything else to do. And I kept reflecting on my life really assessing where I was at, thinking about my career, thinking about my day-to-day because it was so hectic. I was commuting to Toronto. I had an over two-hour commute every day. It just wasn't sustainable for our life given what had happened. And I also realized I wanted more time with my kids. So I happened to read some personal finance blogs while I was in the hospital, because when you love numbers, that's kind of what you do. (laughs) Um, I tried novels and like the plots just wouldn't stick. Like when you're in a traumatic Mm. situation, it's really tough to to follow a storyline. And I came across a blog about uh, financial independence. So really just saving a larger amount earlier on in life so that you are gaining your freedom earlier or Mm. retirement, whatever you want that to look like. Mm -hmm. And that through my perspective, um, kind of upside down, because Mm -hmm. when we did financial plans for people, people retired at 65, not at 40. And so it, it really made me just start thinking about what I wanted life to look like. And in that moment, I was craving time with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, my, my youngest son, his health was so uncertain. I, I couldn't imagine leaving him to go to the office again. So he got better. I returned to work, but I also separated from my spouse, mm-hmm. which was, which was at a really, really difficult time. Uh, I took on a lot of the financial burdens. I had always earned a decent income, but probably not exactly what I should have earned, but I realized more about that later, like when I pursued Mm self-employment. So I had to get my money stuff together. And that's when I realized, you know, you can have all the financial knowledge. It just doesn't mean the pieces are going to fit exactly the way that you think they should. Mm -hmm. So I went on this whole journey to reinvent my finances. I spent thousands of hours on it. And uh, I love the process. So that's my long-winded way of saying that um, I sort of got hooked on doing that. Um, When we do bigger planning for clients, you're often looking at thinking about the future, but how do you get there if you don't look at your day-to-day finances? Mm, Okay. realize that's the part I wanted to focus on. Okay. Now, I'm not super familiar with the investment industry in general, um, but I know that your introduction says that you're a CFP. Can you explain a little bit more about 
what that is, because I feel like that would help explain a lot of your expertise. Yeah. So um, a CFP is a certified financial planner. It is a worldwide designation and uh, you have to have a certain amount of educational like course component uh, towards that certification. And then you have to have a certain amount of hours. So actual experience with doing planning. Mm. Uh, so, um, you know, it's an important certification to have. Financial planning is, um, you know, having a comprehensive financial plan, it really does help to create some boundaries for your finances and some action steps that you can take to reach certain goals. Most of the reason planning is done is for retirement. So figuring out a way to fund that, but it can mm -hmm. also be done for fun stuff like taking a year off or oh. moving to a different country. Um, okay. so yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just an industry designation, meaning that you meet certain educational and experience requirements. Okay. Makes sense. So like I said, not super familiar. So the term financial planning to me means budgeting and putting money aside for retirement, but what you're talking about, there's actually a lot more to it than that. Can you share kind of what else goes into this when you're creating a financial plan for people? So when you're creating a plan, um, you have some discussions ahead of time. So you're you're getting to know what people's goals are. You're taking uh, taking stock of all their numbers. So you're looking at things like how much they owe for their mortgage or other debts. You are taking information on all their different assets. So bank accounts, investment accounts, things like that. And you're incorporating those into uh, some projections. So what that could look like. Uh, pretty much every year um, oh. in terms of where their assets will be, what debts look like, if you're looking at certain assumptions within the plan. Um, so the assumptions could be that you want to put 10000 away into your RSP account and your income is going to grow by a certain amount and you're going to save a portion of that. So those are the assumptions that we put in. Um, it can help you to look at where to save and invest. So if you are wanting to think about taxation, um, you know, what, what your income might look like in retirement, it will give you some guidance on where to invest, uh, where to mm -hmm. save money, what type of account, so that you're kind of um, being more mindful in terms of, of future tax. So it's very handy. It's, it's a very handy roadmap but it is more future oriented. So it doesn't help with the day-to-day -day budgeting as much. And oh. that's where coaching, that's where financial coaching is a lot more helpful because mm -hmm. we really start at the day-to-day. -day. So, you know, what is your income now and where is it all going and how can you potentially make some tweaks or improvements to reach your goals faster? Okay. That makes sense. And also sounds like something that I should probably focus on doing in the next little while. Cause I open my bank account all the time and go, where'd my money go? <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about money today, because I know it's such a taboo topic for women, especially women in business. And I'm sure this must come up for you a lot when you're working with clients. So I wondered if you had any suggestions or exercises that we can do to help create a healthier relationship with money and like money mindset, those kinds of things, because I really feel that we are going to kind of 
hit a glass ceiling for ourselves personally and in business, if we're not able to overcome those, those hurdles and mindsets that we've self-imposed on ourselves. Yeah. Um, that is absolutely true. And I can share from my own experience that there's certain limiting beliefs that we have, and they just seem stronger when you're an entrepreneur. Um, I realized in corporate that I had some issues with my self-worth, for example. So I never wanted to have those discussions around income. And when I finally did, my income grew at a much faster pace. And um, I sort of, you know, you kind of have these regrets, which can be common with finances. You wish you had done something differently, but mm-hmm. it's just not, it's just not the way the world works and it's not the mm-hmm. way life works. So dwelling on it won't help, but definitely looking at, is there anything that is limiting you within your business mm. that could be um, around pricing. Pricing is a super common one. Yep. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's tough to price. You feel like you're pricing yourself. So sometimes detaching yourself from the product or service that you're selling mm-hmm. and trying to look at it from an outside perspective. Um, you know, I, I definitely, when I speak with entrepreneurs, They'll say things like, I can't raise my prices. Um, you know, I'm charging mm-hmm. what's fair to clients. Uh, but when you really look at the competition, often we find that their pricing is a lot lower than what's out there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Now in your coaching, do you work with business owners, like specifically for that, to help them figure out like what pricing is good for their services, because that's definitely something I know a lot of people need. Yeah. So, um, with business owners, it's interesting because you have two sets of, of finances. So it gets Mm. even more complicated. So one of the big things I see with entrepreneurs is, um, avoidance or just procrastination when it comes to looking at the number. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. (laughs) And sometimes it's not because you are actually consciously avoiding the numbers that happens sometimes too. Mm -hmm. But for most of us, our lives are so busy. Like your entrepreneur brain is just constantly spinning. So it's really tough to sit down and strategically look at your money. Um, Mm -hmm. So definitely pricing is one of the things that we go through Uh, and just even simple things like what subscriptions do you have? Because Mm. we, we tend to collect those as entrepreneurs. (laughs) There's a lot of tech solutions out there, Um, you know, subscriptions, memberships, all of these things that are just small amounts of money, but it really does add up and it does impact the profit that you can make within your business. Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. And you're right. It's not that I don't know the importance of numbers. It's just, there is always a hundred other things that need to get done. And that I would enjoy slightly more than looking at my finances and asking all of the questions that I don't really understand, like profit margins and useful life of equipment and things like that, which is why I have a bookkeeper, which I should probably book more meetings with to better understand these things. But A lot of it too is a little bit of avoidance and is like, if I don't know, I can just pretend that everything is okay, which is a money mindset that I kind of need to work through. So did you have any suggestions to kind of help with that? Do you recommend affirmations that can support with those sorts of things? Or is there anything else we can do? Yeah, I, um, I love affirmations. 
I use them myself. I find that being an entrepreneur, you kind of need that pep talk. And it's like the quickest way to do that. And I found it really works. Like I had a real um, entrepreneur meltdown in October and Mm. I leaned really hard into affirmations and just visualizing things and just kind of letting go of some of the constant repetitive thoughts that were going Mm. through my brain. Um, So just kind of re- reintroducing some kinder language to to your life definitely helps. Um, The other things that help is just having more positive language around money. Um, I find a lot of women I work with, they'll say, you know, I'm bad with numbers. I'm not good with money. And Mm -hmm. those things aren't true. And it really, that stuff really does limit your Mm. success, because how are you going to be great at something? How are you going to have a super profitable business if you think that you're just terrible with money? Mm. And so, you know, as entrepreneurs, we, we have dreams for our business, we have a passion, but the key reason we're doing what we're doing is we want our businesses to be profitable so that we can continue to live our life and to help support our family and and other people. So the money is important. Uh, it is, you know, it is a key thing to look at. And um, so, yeah, affirmations, visualizations are great. Watching your money language. And I'd say the fourth one, which I um, was kind of amazing for me, was just starting to think of childhood. And thinking about some of your early experiences with money. So I Mm. can vividly remember having a piggy bank and going to the bank. Mm. And Mm -hmm. at at some point, um, you know, my mom and I, we used to shop. So my mom was a huge shopper in my childhood. And I realized like when I hit 40 and I took, took real control over my money, I realized I was following the same habits. So the shopping for recreation, for emotional support, for reward, um, I was doing exactly the same thing. And I was even saying the same things that my mom said. So just catching some of the Mm. phrases that you use with either yourself or with kids, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, Um, you know. Yeah, my mom would definitely always say, oh, our neighbor has so much money. That must be nice for them. So just really limiting kind of herself. So it was interesting to take note of some of those, just some of those money scripts. Um, So just those repetitive things that we say, and you can change them. So just being aware of them is like the first step towards creating change. Our brain likes things to be simple. So it picks up all of these things in childhood. It's like a computer program. It would be the same as having an iPhone from 30 years ago and never doing an update. iPhones wouldn't have even been around, I guess, but never doing an update. (laughs) (laughs) I follow the train of thought, even if they weren't around 30 years ago. Uh, And that makes a lot of sense. I have, you know, memories, not from my childhood necessarily, but from my teen years about, you know, wanting different things. And, you know, mom's like, well, money's really hard to get and it doesn't come easily. And I guess that's a mentality that I carried with me for probably the first year, maybe year and a half in my business. And that's been something that I've been working to shape too, because I have put in the hours in my business and I still was not making the kind of income that I need to support my family. And I was like, 
why is this? I'm doing all the things I'm posting on social media. I'm networking. I have great offers that I'm super excited to share with people. Like what is the block? And I think that that's kind of a big part of it because I kept saying that money is so hard to get. So I would feel compelled to work more and work more and work more. I figured that must be the issue. I just wasn't working enough, uh, which I don't think is the case, (laughs) but I think that, yeah, there's a lot of unpacking that we need to do from childhood. And I think that that's a relatively, at least new concept to me that the issue started a long time ago and you have to kind of go in to go back to kind of go forward. Yeah. And, and that type of work, it takes time. Like sometimes you'll have uh, an aha moment, something will come to you and it'll just all click into place. Like for me, the, the shopping, like, why do I always want to shop? Well, it was such a revelation to realize like, oh, it's because this is what I did all the time. Like this is, this was, um, the, like it was around all of the key things in life. Like, you know, if you had a good day or a bad day, it involved shopping. So mm-hmm. when I was working, I would just constantly be on the hunt for what can I buy next? Mm. Um, so that really was eye-opening for me. The The second thing was to get really clear on my values and what I valued. And I think that can also help entrepreneurs in terms of how to spend their time, how to spend their money. Because once you're really clear on what's important, you can, that's like a great decision filter on mm-hmm. you know, what to purchase or where to spend your time. So aside from working on our money mindset, and thank you for sharing those tips, because I do think that that's going to help a lot of people. Um, and, you know, learning to manifest more money is definitely helping too. Uh, but what are some recommendations that you have for people that are looking to get started on improving their finances, but don't know where to start? So I would say the first thing is to just start with the intention that you're going to do it. Um, So don't put, um, it's kind of like when you start a diet and you say like, I'm not going to touch like any sugar or, you know, Mm -hmm. have any chocolate and it just doesn't work for the long term. So it's just setting the intention that you're just going to do something to just improve your finances, even one tiny bit. Mm-hmm. And the best thing to start with is just getting clear on numbers. So getting really, really clear on where you stand. So understanding what your income is, where it comes from, what amount do you actually get in your pocket or in your bank mm-hmm. account after taxes? With entrepreneurs specifically, taxes are super dicey. <laughs> and a lot of people forget to pull a portion of their their revenue and set it really? aside taxes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it definitely doesn't come intuitively. So just, you know, getting, getting unclear on your income and then mm-hmm. getting clear on what your expenses are. I like um, having people look at what is, you know, a fixed expense. So the, you know, your mortgage, your utility bills, those are the things that you are committed to paying each month. Mm-hmm. And then looking at their variables, so the day-to-day stuff where you have more discretion. So groceries fits in there. You can spend about the same amount each month, but you're in control of what you're buying and it, it can vary. Mm-hmm. And then I get people to think ahead to their larger icebergs. I call them icebergs. They're those expenses that don't come on a monthly basis. They can catch you off guard because they're usually bigger. Things like car repairs, Mm. vacation, 
and just getting started with thinking about what is coming up for you over the next uh, 12 months Mm -hmm. and seeing how that fits with what income you have and what your other expenses look like. So just, just getting some clarity on where you're at. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also a great time to take a look at your debts Mm -hmm. and just list them out and see what that looks like. And getting clarity is really, it's probably the hardest step. And it is the reason that people don't look at their numbers is because they're afraid of what it will reveal. Mm. Uh, Most of the time, it's better than people expect in terms of what they own. But often the spending can be a little bit worse in certain categories. Everyone's got two or three that could be better handled. For me, it's probably my kids and the groceries. Uh, But yeah, it's, yeah, again, a little bit of avoidance in that area because it can be hard to hold the mirror up and realize that part of the reason that I'm still, we'll say financially in the same position that I was a year or two ago is because of how I'm choosing to spend my money, even though it doesn't always feel like a choice. It's, oh, you know, like the kids need new winter boots, like they've got to have them. Uh, And you know, I try and eat healthy because that's part of my mental mindset and being able to give my best to my clients, but food can be expensive. And there's probably a little bit more that gets thrown out than I'd like it to, because I forget that it's in the refrigerator. So being more mindful of those choices, I know would probably help me and potentially a lot of other people, but doing that work to realize that can definitely wound the ego a little bit, we'll say. Well, and the thing too, is it is a time commitment at the beginning, but like anything, it gets easier. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I have tracked my finances for, I think since 2016, like literally to the dollar, because it is what I like to do. I don't Mm -hmm. suggest it for everyone, but (laughs) it brings me comfort. I have Mm -hmm. such a quick money routine now, but at the beginning just coming up with a system, that was the hard part was figuring out, okay, what works with my habits? Um, I'm not diagnosed with ADHD, but my daughter has it. Mm. We have a lot of very common traits. And especially being an entrepreneur, I'm noticing that that could potentially be something that's happening. Mm-hmm. And it comes through in my finances. And that mm. sometimes used to lead to some of those really impulsive decisions. And tracking for me has been the best way to calm that stuff from happening because I can catch it super, super early. That's good and helpful to know too. Um, I will ask you about your money routine in a little bit, but I have a question first. So you were sharing some examples that help people with their personal finances. Do you recommend the same thing for entrepreneurs if they want to improve their businesses' financials? Yeah, it would be really similar. Uh, So step one is just getting clear on where you're at. Definitely there's more complexity because you'll want to look at things like pricing. Um, With entrepreneurs, I get them to create a wish list. So those investments you'd like to make in your business, what are they? When do they need to happen? How much do they cost? Uh, So that could be something like hiring someone you know, really projecting out what that would look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just the, just constantly thinking ahead. So you want to be in the driver's seat with your finances instead of having everything happening to you. It's just, you are kind of controlling the car. You're thinking of these decisions ahead of time. Mm, I like that. 
it would be nice to have the mentality of I can afford this at X date sort of thing, which makes you feel more in control of your business. And like, it is in fact growing for me, that's a mindset that I probably have to get over. I feel like if I'm not investing in my business, my business is not growing, which it's, it's kind of true in, in one aspect, but also not in another, because you can get to a point where your business is kind of good for a little while and you need to kind of ride that, I don't know, higher profit margin, we'll call it because you have lower expenses so that you can get to a point where you can invest more later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think of it like a, if you're surfing and you catch like a great wave, you just ride it for a while. Like you don't like go out and do something else. You just <laughs> go with it and see how it yeah. goes. Definitely that will help your profits. The The other thing I like to get entrepreneurs to do, it's really tough to forecast cash flow when you're starting out, but I like to set some like revenue milestones and so that they just have something to work towards, like a number to work towards that tends to be really helpful. Mm. And then celebrating and ha- having a bit of a reward when you, when you reach a certain target. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. And I think that kind of ties in a little bit to my next question. Um, So a little bit of a backstory. Obviously, you already know that the last year has been especially challenging with the aggressive inflation that we've seen in all areas, life and business. And it's just been a very expensive year. And, you know, when I stepped into my business full time, well, it was a little over a year ago now, man, time flies. I stepped in thinking that I only needed to take on an additional one to two clients and I would be good. I would be making more than enough money to cover all the bills. And then I blinked and three months later, everything doubled in price. And I went from needing two clients to needing like four to six. And I was like, what the heck just happened? That was crazy. Um, And I know that no one has a crystal ball, but that feeling of you know, where is my next paycheck coming from? How am I going to be able to feed my family? It is very stressful. So I wondered if you had any suggestions about how we can prepare ourselves for that uncertainty. Like I know a lot of people are like, have a rainy day fund or an emergency fund for those kinds of situations. But when you don't expect them, how do you prepare for them when you don't just have the the money magically lying around already? Yeah. So what I do when I work with clients, um, if they're entrepreneurs, one one strategy is you create three budgets. So you create your personal budget. That is like your baseline kind of bare bones, what you need to do to survive in life. Mm -hmm. So you get clear on what that number looks like and what that number looks like in terms of business revenue. So figuring Mm -hmm. in your expenses, taxes, things like that. Um, then you have your like ideal scenario. So where you're comfortable, where you can do things like eat out, um, plot in some travel, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then if, if you want to create a dream budget, so if you, um, reach a certain amount of revenue and you're consistently there, then what does that look like in terms of your personal household budget? So you just, mm. you have some clarity on the numbers it is tough cash flow um especially lately i've been on a number of different networking calls and it seems to be the trend where a lot of entrepreneurs are starting to struggle with cash flow so mm. even 
uh, entrepreneurs that have been established for a couple of years, they're looking at their bank accounts and they're starting to run a little bit low. So definitely if we had the beauty of hindsight, you'd want to set aside more than you expected to need in terms mm. of a cash buffer. Uh, sometimes it looks like having room on a line of credit to get through the tough times and just keeping on top of your finances. So cutting the things that you're not not using, uh, definitely weighing investment options to be really certain that it's something that's going to uh, come through for you in the time frame that you need. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people do things like their spouse has worked extra hours, like kind of really gotten scrappy for a period of time to ride through those difficult times. And if you are able to come up with offers that get cash in the door quicker, then that could be an option as well. Mm. And so it's it's definitely, it's not easy. In an ideal world, entrepreneurs had the ability to start their business part-time and see how it goes, but mm -hmm. we don't always have that. Like I couldn't do that with my business because I was a licensed investment professional. I couldn't do anything else. Like you have to disclose mm. everything else that you're doing. So I had to leave, oh. be completely done my career and then start my own business and I had so many things I didn't think of. Like I thought I was pretty well prepared in terms of expenses, but I didn't realize that every software needed two or three other softwares <laughs> to make yeah. them work. So I definitely underestimated some of those types of expenses. So when you're planning your entrepreneur budget, uh, a buffer is really great. Mm -hmm. And um then remembering during those great times to put money aside. You want to build like a hefty emergency or rainy day fund because, you know, economic cycles happen. This will happen again. So just being prepared for it um, so that, you know, you just ride it a little bit smoother. Mm. I've heard an expression too, and I don't know where it came from, but for entrepreneurs, if you have a really good month, you assume that that's the new normal and your expenses increase due to the, you know, additional revenue, you make investments and things like that. And that's definitely something that I've noticed that I do. I was like, oh, good. You know, I've taken on new clients. This is how much my monthly income is going to be. And then you don't expect, or you hope that, you know, you don't lose clients. And then that happens and you're like, okay, well now I'm back where I was, but I've already invested in X, Y, and Z services. So like, where is this additional revenue coming from? So I think that that's something that's important to keep in mind too. Like you mentioned the economic fluctuations of, yes, you will have good months, but that doesn't mean that it's always going to be that amount. Yeah. And I, I see that in people that work in corporate too. Like someone um, will say, you know, I'm getting a bonus. It's $5,000. And I'll get them to do an exercise of just writing out what they're going to spend the money on. And mm -hmm. like 80% of the time they'll do it and they'll give me the numbers and they forgot about taxes mm. and, um, or other things, you know, if it's during December, their December is going to be more expensive because it's the holidays. So just, just that's where planning and just sitting down and thinking about things and sometimes, you know, you write your list out of what you'd like to invest into in your business and do it again the next month because so much can change mm. uh, in terms of time and how your business is going. So it's just kind of 
continuously thinking about what comes next and what is a good investment. I've Mm -hmm. definitely made emotional investments in my business because you're just in a, you're just feeling like something isn't working and you need a bandaid and they weren't the best decisions because they didn't come from any thought. It was just the marketing got me. Mm. And uh, that's, that's Mm -hmm. how it happened. (laughs) Been there, been there. Uh, Since we're on the topic of uh, money for entrepreneurs, I wanted to get your thoughts on, because we kind of talked about this earlier about paying yourself as an entrepreneur and how you figure out how to go about doing that. Because there's, there's so much. And like you said, a lot of people forget about taxes and all of those things. So I typically follow the the profit first ratios. I don't know whether you do the same or whether you have suggestions for people that are just getting started or maybe in business and also wondering where their money is going to kind of help with that. Cause I feel like that's the biggest piece of the puzzle, being able to understand exactly what percentage is your income versus what's going to all those other things. Yeah. I feel like profit first is necessary reading. Even if you don't follow all of the exact kind of buckets or accounts that they use, I think it's really good to get into the mindset that one, you're putting money aside for taxes, like at a minimum that needs to happen. And for most people, that looks like a separate account that mm-hmm. you just and doesn't exist. Um, definitely paying yourself as well. Um, I do find that can be tough at the beginning because you are continuously investing within your business. So mm-hmm. it can be a really small amount to start with. But I think the point is to just make that action because um, there's something about getting paid, like getting a benefit for the for our hard work that keeps us motivated. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen entrepreneurs that I've worked with, they'll say, I haven't made any money in my business, but because they're sole proprietors, they constantly take money to pay for bills personally and things like that. So they are taking money out, but they've just lost track of how, how much that is in dollar mm-hmm. terms. And it feels insignificant because it's not you know, a set paycheck. And mm-hmm. um, so I think that's where the book is great is having like a payday, like you do a monthly payday and Mm -hmm. you're paying yourself, you're putting money aside for taxes, you're covering expenses, like doing all the important things as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely recommend that book for reading. If you're just like, give me the cliff notes, uh, the percentages are uh, 50%. I use kind of the maximum. So I pay myself 50% of my revenue. 20% 20% I set aside for taxes. Although last month I did make an emotional investment and I pulled money out for that. So I owe myself some money right now, but yeah, 50% to yourself, 20% for your expenses, 5% is your profit. So you pay that out to yourself quarterly. That for me was a big seller. It'd be like, I've already taken my paycheck and now I'm getting extra money for my business. I really like that. And then yeah. the, the last 25% is supposed to be your operating expenses. And you know, at the time when I did the exercise, I was just getting started. And uh, as a home-based business, I have hardly any expenses. I was like, Oh, easy peasy, keeping my expenses under 25%. But as your business grows and you need to make those investments, it's very challenging to stay within that 25%. So I find that those ratios, even if I tweak the numbers a little bit, sometimes for those emotional investments are really great at helping me make sure that my business stays financially sound long-term because I know the core principles of what percentages of things are for me versus what I 
should have for investing in my business and things like that. Yeah. And that getting into that habit is fabulous. And, um, like, I love how, you know, the ratio is cold. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That means that you're following them. And really like when you think about financial topics, um, so you become an entrepreneur and suddenly you have this new set of finances. So you're learning a ton and then you're planning out, like you plan out what to do with profit first, but Mm -hmm. where people fall apart is implementing it. So just doing the thing every single month mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's what needed. Like you need to implement all of those different steps and looking at your finances. Mm-hmm. So gold star for, for doing that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, directly tied to what we're talking about. You did uh, a masterclass in the Monarch community in August and you were talking about this money routine, which is kind of, I guess, like how I pay myself during profit first, but a very much smaller version of it. But can you share a little bit more about what your money routine is or what it is in general and why it's beneficial for you? So I like to call my money routine a ritual (laughs) because um, when I first started working on my finances, I would do it at like 10 PM. I had like my spreadsheet. I was was tired. I had to get up at, you know, 5am to go to work the next day. And it just, it just wasn't like, it just wasn't working. So I realized that to really embrace your finances and to make it more fun, you can change how, what you do during the time that you're looking at your finances. So, you know, make sure that you're picking a time of day that works for you. Like your kids aren't in the room. It's not stressful. You don't just have five minutes, like really blocking the time aside and blocking the time aside in your calendar, like for the month ahead. So you just know you have that date with your money. I like doing that the first week following a month because Mm -hmm. things are so fresh Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can still remember what your expenses were. You can still, you know, if you're doing your own bookkeeping or you're, you have a bookkeeper that's doing it, you can still remember what has happened and you can take, like, you can take stock of what your revenues are, what your profits were, like the numbers are, are really, really fresh. Um, and, uh, just, you know, making the time enjoyable. So having a snack, um, doing something that's like self-care oriented. So maybe you get to go for a walk or get to go for a massage or something um, that you do after you dealt with your financial tasks. Um, And during that time, you're just taking care of things like paying bills, like figuring out both the day-to-day things and thinking a little bit about strategy. Um, Mm. You know, are you going to have a different offer next quarter? What does that look like? you know, how much financial resources will that take? So just kind of thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. I've heard, I think some of the other monarchs in the community were saying, you know, some of them like candles or listen to music while they're doing it. They have a dance party after just whatever you can to make it fun. And I was like, man, I should do that. Cause yeah, usually I sit down and I was like, okay, like I'm stressed out. Do I have enough money? Can we pay our bills? Like what's going on? Uh, So when you make it more fun, then it becomes something that you enjoy and then you want money to flow to you kind of thing. So kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about affirmations and all of those things, which I really like. Well, and we're in the same community and one of the people in the community, I remember she was saying that every time that she gets, gets money, like a customer pays, she does like a little thankful moment. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really like that because I think I know I've been guilty of this. Um, I remember 
in my corporate career, I'd get some mega bonuses. And the first thing that would come to my mind wasn't, ooh, what can I do with it? It was like, ooh, do I deserve this? Like, this Mm. feels uncomfortable. And Mm. the same thing happens to entrepreneurs um, until they kind of, you know, think through those emotions and realize like, it's awesome. It's awesome to have a profitable business, to help people in the community, to take care of your family. Those are all really, really good things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So before you wrap up, I want to ask one last question, uh, personal for me personally to know, but also because I think it'd be helpful for our, our listeners, but what are the benefits of working with a financial coach or planner like yourself? What can we kind of expect an outcome to be maybe, or why do people choose to work with you over trying to DIY it themselves? Um, this is such a big question. <laughs> I feel like I could, I could go on about this. Um, well, I think definitely the key thing is a big piece of it is accountability. So if you have an accountability partner and you have like a meeting booked in the calendar, you are much more likely to follow through on that. And you are much more likely to meet your financial goals. Mm. It is really helpful to have someone that has seen a ton of budgets, a ton of different plans, uh, because a lot of us think like, am I normal? Are my finances normal? Is there something different that I should be doing? So just having that guidance and being able to get some advice around your planning is is really really helpful and um just having someone to ask your financial questions to that has been through different experiences uh the thing that we don't that the thing that we don't see in our lives is there's different life stages so mm-hmm. as a planner we have seen people go from you know their very first savings all the way to retirement So we see what the obstacles are, what the challenges are, what the questions are, but it's tough for people to anticipate what that might look like or to, you know, see what opportunities they have. So there's definitely, um, you know, it's, it's really powerful to have someone that has worked with people through these different life stages. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing is probably it will save you time. It will save you tons of time Mm -hmm. to work with a coach or planner, because you can DIY this, you definitely can. But when someone has decades of experience, it is a lot easier for that person to look at your finances and to provide suggestions. Mm-hmm. And you'll get to your goals faster. Mm-hmm. That and that's what we sense. want. That's what we want is we want to reach those goals that we have as efficiently and with as little pain as possible. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's a key, key, um, benefit. Mm -hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. What you're saying, anyone can do anything. Technically speaking, the internet is a wonderful thing, but you hire an expert because you want, uh, to fast track your success in that area and financials being so impactful for people in business or in your personal life definitely makes sense to invest in that service and make sure that you are preparing for all of those icebergs, which inevitably come up more than we want to. (laughs) Uh, So how can people connect with you if they're interested in learning more or hiring you as their financial coach? Uh, So probably the easiest way is um, through my website. So um, I don't know if you'll put the link, but it's uh, at, you'll you'll add the link. 
Uh, so my website has all my contact info and I actually offer a free consultation call. Mm-hmm. So it's 20 minutes um, to talk about either a financial challenge that you have or something that you would like to achieve. I can give you a little insight on what I think might be the next best step. And if that looks like coaching or planning, then um, I'll you know, give full disclosure on what that looks like, what the mm-hmm. price is, um, and what commitment you have to make. Uh, mm-hmm. There is definitely some work to be done on the part of the client in terms of gathering numbers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely want people that are interested in looking at changing their finances and exploring some good things with within their life goals and, and things like that. Makes sense. And I know that you share fabulous content on your Instagram page, which I will link in the show notes too. But if you want to share what your handle is, just so people can find you themselves as well. Yeah. So um, on Instagram, it's at Be Wealthy Coaching. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Mary Lee, and sharing your knowledge. I know that I personally learned a lot, so I'm sure our listeners will as well. And money is one of those topics that we just need to keep talking about until it becomes less taboo because it's part of our daily lives and we need to learn to work with it and not against it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was great to be here with you and um, thank you for the time. Thank you so much for tuning in to Go Get Great. I hope you found some useful tips and tricks that can help you make life and business work together. If what I said resonates with you, please share it on social media and don't forget to tag at Brittany Miller Socials so that I can celebrate you for taking those first steps towards achieving greatness. Remember, success doesn't happen overnight. It takes dedication, hard work, and a lot of spirit. So don't be afraid to dream big and go after what you want. Keep striving for greatness. You get closer with every step forward, no matter how small they may seem. Until next time, go get great.